Hi, I'm Steve Addison and this is a Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. This is the second in a two-part series with Nathan Shank as he talks about the five levels of movement leadership. Thinking about numbers as church planting movement, you cross a thousand, you're in a movement, no, wait a second. It's really not, you can do all of that with good addition. You got the resourcing for it. You can go a thousand wide and be stuck in first gen. We see it all the time uh, in, in India. The saturation type of model where if we just have a few more salaries, we can see a few more churches. And so that goes on, but, but CPM is not matter of numbers, CPM is a matter of generations. Why 2 Timothy 2.2? We're looking for internal momentum that outlives the original Paul, right? So Paul can be, have his head cut, and Timothy's got reliable men who also qualify to train others. It can go on without it. That's generational growth. That's, that's where the momentum happens. If we have seed sowers and church planters, and church planners who can release and multiply, level one, two, and three. Level five is multiple streams and multiple generations. I'm going to refer to that. We used to call it an SC, strategy coordinator, just because that's, that's a tool we had. Honestly, guys, when I look at Scripture, that's a Paul. A Paul. What do I mean by that? He had a stream of church planning in Galatia, with internal momentum. First journey, Iconium Lister Derby. Second journey, traveled over, having left Barnabas, he took Silas, went throughout Syria, Cilicia, Galatia, strengthening all the churches. Just town to town. Third journey, he traveled throughout Galatia, Phrygia, strengthening disciples place to place. Smaller and smaller geographic terminology to describe and to not that he was planning more, but he was strengthening churches, strengthening disciples. Something was happening in Galatia with momentum beyond himself. For that matter, there was a Macedonian stream. Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, 1 Thessalonians 1, those Thessalonians, even within a short time frame, the message is ringing out from them. Right? So that all have, it was in Macedonia, okay, I've heard there, Testimony of faith and love, the love that's within them. Asia, as we've said, some of you using even our devotional the, two days ago, Acts 19, Lecture Hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Some type of ringing going on. We can see those churches in Revelation and or Colossae and Laodicea and the letter to the Ephesians, the household of Nympha, that there was a stream going on in Asia that was not dependent on the Apostle Paul. Multiple streams, multiple generations. Church planning movement. That's where I think we're heading. And guys, not to puff you up, not to give you a big head, but there are streams of church planning at every table in this room. 
right? There are streams. We're on the verge of identity for streams of church planting. Multiple places, multiple streams in the U.S. Isn't that where we're heading? If we're not there yet today, isn't that where we're heading? And aren't we getting close to that tipping point? When Paul got to this place, you know what Paul started talking about? Spain. Sounds kind of like a leader who's saying, two years and I'm out of here. The clock's ticking. Wait a minute, I thought it was two and a half years. Yeah, it was six months ago. Now it's two years and I'm out of here. We leverage our absence in that, right? If that's the case, you could probably expect a, a letter at some point. Troy, the li- reason I left you in Florida is that you'd finish what was left undone and point elders in all the towns. It needs to happen. Leverage your absence, right? So is there an intermediary step? Well, we heard a plea yesterday from St. Louis. As he's praying for laborers all every step of the way, you're continuing to pray for laborers we heard a plea from St. Louis for trainers. So many opportunities, more and more people waking up to the what you guys are doing and seeing and hearing from your case studies. And there's there might be one intermediary step. Here we are multiplying. What happens next? There's that leader, and he's willing. Go outside his own stream, train others how to multiply. You with me? We refer to this as a movement or master training. Now think about that for a second. This person even as Curtis suggested about the wrinkling time conversation, what we cast vision for, this person, from the moment they win somebody to faith, is casting vision for level three type multiplication. This can happen. This can happen through you. This can happen through your church. This can happen through your Great Commission organization, whatever it is. Internationally, we do this and we're fine with it. We'll go and train the Brazilian Baptists. We'll go and train in Peru. We'll go and train in Honduras. We'll go and train in India, and we'll enter the paradigm here by saying movement principles and movement practices, and we'll challenge them, encourage them, raise them up to do it. Well, more and more people awakening to what you guys are up to and what you're doing, more and more opportunities to give the kingdom away. That's the opportunity, the potential. That's also typically the barrier when we're not willing to do that. So you can have, you have maybe you've wrestled with and given away that vision, that idea of success, that a bigger church is the plan. Now influence, we're going to let disciples go out and be. But you can this this level three could still make you famous. It can still make you wealthy if you figure out how to get funds flowing back up and forth. I promise you, if you start to give it away to other organizations outside your influence, it's not going to make you famous. It's not going to make you wealthy. 
Again, just like every other level, there's a death to self, a death to some aspect of your vision, to literally the reality that you can't copyright the kingdom. You've got to give it away. So if that's a level four leader, we're talking about someone who understands multiplication and is willing to give it away, right? is a CP Immer plus what? What has to happen in their head, heart, and hands to become effective at level four leadership? What do you think? Death. Huh? Death. Death. Okay. Death to self. Now that's true all along the way, isn't it? But you got to revisit that again. Some of that identity that's been growing and developing at every step, here that identity dies one more time. We don't have to be the center of the paradigm, the leader of a network. What else? Okay, where was that? Who said that? Well, thank you. Okay? Leverage absence. I think that this is most typically, Curtis, you tell me, Jeff, you tell me if this is right. This is, when this is not non-resident, this is most of the time happens non-resident. Why? Because we can't be in the center of everything. In a lot of cases, from a distance, coaching from a distance. From Why? Because you do it from the background. It doesn't center around you. Guys, why did Paul leave Titus in Crete? Haven't we always assumed he had urgent business elsewhere? That's been my working assumption. He had to get on to Neapolis or wherever Troas he was. And he got arrested again, maybe. Why did he leave Titus in Crete? If I can assume he had urgent business elsewhere, let me make a counter-assumption. He left Titus in order to grow Titus. Yeah, do it, Titus. The reason I left you in Crete is that you would finish what was left undone and appoint elders in all the towns. Isn't he leveraging his absence? You see that? Whatever reason he had to go on, it was an opportunity for Titus to grow. Is that what you're saying, brother? Please. Yeah. And he got pushed out. Yes. And he got a report back. Got a report back. I'll be leaving. This is what happened. And so he's taking this idea of further on in his journey as a missionary. He's learning that leaving is a part of the strategy of God. Lee, now, think about that because there's a certain burden that's going to come with that. I love the fact that in Philippians 4, Paul says, uh, gives a command to the church, do not be anxious with, for anything, but in all things with prayer and petition. Sounds great, doesn't it? Do not be anxious for anything. Except for the fact, the reality, that in chapter 2 of Philippians, he said, I hope to send a path for to you. I might know it goes well with you. I might have less anxiety. 
So two chapters before saying don't be anxious, he confesses, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness. 1 Corinthians 12, man, four times. Five times, 40 lashes minus one. Three times, shipwreck. Three times, beaten with rods, stone, right? All of these persecutions and trouble in the country and trouble at sea and trouble from cold and trouble from bandits and trouble from you name it. 1 Corinthians 12, all these rough issues he has faced. Right? That, in the midst of the third journey, most of his persecutions we think come after that. My goodness, there's a lot of interesting things that happen that aren't mentioned in Acts. That said, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, list of persecutions, daily, on top of all these things, I face my concern for all the churches. I promise you, you leverage your absence, you're going to learn that fellowship. You're going to wrestle with that anxiety. And the import of that is more than all those. Right. Is right on. First Corinthians 12. Expect insomnia, guys. Expect insomnia's burden. Yeah. Jesus says three times, I'm going to die. Crucified, and you got Peter going, No, uh uh-uh, uh, ain't happening. I might chop somebody's head off. You know, it's three times he's been leaving. I'm leaving. Why is he leaving? Accomplished the task. Set in the spirit. Wow. So there's a certain fellowship to take up with Paul in that burden. So all along, just as there is a death to self, there's also a growing vision for kingdom that has to. It has to come on earth as it is in heaven. It has to, so that it's even beyond anything our network could accomplish. It has to happen in St. Louis. It has to happen in Boise. It has to happen in San Diego. That's that's a motive for giving it away. That's how you get to that point, right? It has to happen beyond my calendar. And guys, if you work this plan, where do you go? You end up with a Galatia that's multiplying. You end up with a Macedonia that's multiplying. You end up with an Asia that's multiplying. You end up with an Achaia that's multiplying. You end up looking like Paul. Level 5 leadership. Church planning movement. Guys, the ultimate wig-take question we ought to be asking ourselves even now is Matthew 24, 14 question, Lord, when's, when's the coming? Lord, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? If Philippians 1, discerning what is best, you might grow in your knowledge, love, depth of insight, discern what is best, what could be better than the trumpet? If that's best, isn't that our ultimate wig take question? Lord, and interpret Matthew 24 however you want to. That's fine. Just for the record, I believe it. What was it we heard of the president of the IMB, the new president, Platt, say three weeks ago? George Ladd, quoting George Ladd, who inaugurated eschatology in all of his end times writing, he says, we do not speculate about times or places, it's not for us to do so. But one thing we're sure of, it hasn't yet happened, therefore we have a job description. And we campaign, we campaign, if it's best, what's it going to take? It's every nation, people, tribe, and language. It's a global wig take. And when we get there, we start to expect it. We start to have an urgency that causes us to tell Thessalonians, be ready. 
Don't be surprised or led astray by some false teaching about this or that. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? He was asking the Whig take question, the global Whig take question about the second coming with expectation. Man, I want to live my life right there. Isn't that the sweet spot? Can I take 10 minutes and be done with my the rest of my uh, rest of my time? I want to give 10 minutes and be done. And what you're asking in a way, what we found is that because the thing we've gotten away with, you haven't called me on it yet, is where's the pastor teacher role in this? Because this is, if you will, this is the apostolic bang, 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 track. You're always the exit track. Where, where's the shepherd for the sheep come? We found somewhere around this level, leadership begins to look back and lay a foundation of training pastors who can be pastor trainers, who can be what, movement streaming strategists. We come up with different names, but the idea is at some point over here, you find yourself writing not pastoral epistles, that epistles to your apostolic man like Timothy Titus saying, the reason I left you in Crete was that you would appoint elders. So there's a circling back to make sure there's a foundation of a shepherd in those churches. That's one thing, I would say, where we're learning. Somewhere in this leadership, it circles back. Secondly, and I'm going to be finished, I promise, in 10 minutes. Just uh, at the risk of uh, just kind of overkill. If this is our time, zero, we find as we go across from this side trying to pull leaders, there's a bell curve and the king of time commitment. Okay, at the risk of leaving you, I don't know, we'll talk about it all night if you want. Where we as level four, level five come back, we train, train, train still broadly. But if they're not willing to be seed sowers, they're probably only going to get a little bit of our time. But as they obey, we find a higher and higher level of time commitment. And the fact is, as level four, level five leaders ship, we kind of max out. What is this, 60 to 90 days a year is what I said? Our goal is that we're maxing out in our time investment as people come to L3, L4. Some of those best principle transitions. So, so much of that character evaluation and redefining success is far more time intensive than use this tool to share your testimony. So though we want to max out, give the most of our time to these high-level effective leaders that are faithful, fruitful, 60 to 90 days a year. And the reality is there's also a backside of that curve where we're releasing. And a guy like Kumar Palai or Lipak Limtour or M.K. Bharti, some of the guys who've gone... And Beyond us, as far as fruit, they don't. They, we're on the phone, but they're not. We're not in their life every day. You with me? We're releasing also. Well, some typically, that's the two to three year mark is where we find ourselves. Minimum, it's a two to three year campaign to wrestle with character, to wrestle with sixty to ninety days a year, two to three years has been what we found that sweet spot somehow intersects about here and we start to peek out. Okay? Next thing, and the reality is also, I told you this is your multiplication and addition line. That magic line we cross between what we can accomplish and giving it away. This little bell curve also represents finance. And what we do... <coughs> 
We may offer a lunch at a training. We may offer a weekend getaway. We may offer some pastoral training. As they start to multiply, we may often resource some training budget. But there's also that back end where somehow they're resourcing. That may... Where they're resourcing the kingdom in a sense that we're also stepping out in order to go and back out and move to Spain. We find ourselves riding Rome instead of back to Antioch for help to get to Spain, things like that. And here's the reality, just organizationally, if you want to think at that level, most organizations out there, now this is about to get personal, most organizations are investing finance on the addition side of the graph. We tell IMB personnel who show up in North India, you're not paid to do evangelism. You're not paid to plant churches. We tell them, don't give your disciplines to an organization. You give your disciplines to the Lord. You do those things because of who you are in Christ. In a sense, we're trying to change job description. If you are thinking zero to one, there are times when that's absolutely essential. And there's targets where that's the requirement. But realize... You're not paying me to pray, are you? We wouldn't pay our disciples to read their Bible, but we'll pay them to do evangelism. If that's the reason, if that's what we're doing, we will never multiple, we'll never mobilize 100% to do that. People don't typically release what they're paid to do. If you write things down ever, write that down and think on it. People don't typically release what they're paid to do. You pay them to do evangelism, why on earth would they empower others to compete for their salary? You pay them to be a pastor or plant churches? Why on earth would they release their key disciples to go out and start others when all the time they're helping them fulfill their own job description and success in their role? You with me? Most organizations pay for addition. And by doing so, the who can and who can't question is really firm right here. Or wherever they're paying. They won't multiply beyond that. They won't move beyond what they're willing to pay to do. We're trying to drop people in level four. As cross-cultural workers, non-resident in most cases, drop in and start training seed sowers. That said, if they don't do that their own disciplines themselves, they don't last on the field. We as an organization still have Six to seven year attrition rate. That's average tenure with the IMB. Okay? So there, we drop personnel in here at the movement level, and they say, well, I'm the, how could I do that? I'm the, I don't have the experience or this or that. Truth is, in my life and my experience, the vast majority of my effectiveness in evangelism and discipleship is when I drop in and train people and I go out for modeling. Somehow God uses that to win people two by two, and it's actually in a training role with a training agenda, typically is where I'm most effective in evangelism, strangely. In which case, as I begin doing training, God actually backfills the integrity of what I have to say because that seems to be when he blessed You ready for the big confession? You ready for the big confession? Personally, in my disciplines... I've won a lot of people to faith out of my calendar, my discipline. I've pastored churches, and I've seen churches begin in my neighborhood, even my house. 
my own stream has never gotten a fourth generation. Did you hear me say that? I'm going to try to throw out the I work cross-culturally as an outsider card, but that whatever excuse I give to qualify that, that's the truth. Meanwhile, we've seen more than 75 independent streams make it all the way over here, level three and level four leaders. We pay, by the way, we've never held more than 10 salaries over those 75 leaders. The vast majority of them never got a salary from me. And like it or not, that reality, dying to my own discipline, wouldn't I rather be able to say right now, man, you, you wouldn't believe the discipleship change that came from my stream or my fruit or my disciplines. Yeah, there it is, guys. I had never gotten that personally. So some of you, whatever you thought of me, might have just deflated and blown out the window. Okay. Or and hopefully it's an encouragement to you to give it away. Give it away. Okay? If I had never done L1 or L2, or if I stop today, a year from now, you'll have a hard time finding me because I will dry up. But you taught us in the beginning there are the controllables and the uncontrollables. Yeah. You're not in control of your generations. Fair That's enough. Right. That's a good word. I think the point I'm making is. Sometimes this chart doesn't mean everyone's just going to go from one to five. You know, that's the plan. I had the one example. We had a guy went from one to three. He says, "You know what? I just need to circle back to the place and do this again and again because I can deal with that." But we got another couple of people in our mission who basically were good at L one and uh, parachuted in at L four because of gifting as a trainer. Yes. They were great, and they launched movements that are just like phenomenal. You know, that's going to be in the next book with Mr. Addison. But some right folks do parachute in, but not without the disciplines and a lot of the paradigm basics. Okay, that's there. But we look at this chart, we just go, oh, because of the numbering, you know, one, two, three, four, five, like, just everyone has to go down that path. And I don't think that's true. And I really have come to the conclusion in my heart, the Lord is not going to let any one person be the model for all of these things. Because at that point, we really, it's broken down. We don't need each other. You're finished. You're finished. One of the networks that's gone as far, long way down the road, was early on in our ministry, when we parachuted in, so to speak, as a trainer, Challenging them to multiply, they had 30 paid evangelists with three churches. Okay? We started casting vision. Don't bring them in. Start to train them and do out there. And he said to us, okay, I need to fire all these guys. We said, wait a minute. Wait just a second. What if you change their job description? You know what he did when he changed their job description? He realized some of those guys paid to do evangelism were still beholden to churches and networks that he didn't know that they came from, and they couldn't do baptism or Lord's Supper or be church because they were somebody else was still over them, so to speak. So it went from 30 down to 20. And, he, and what did he do? He started kept changing job descriptions. As he grew, he kept pulling those guys along. 
he got over here to level four himself, he would have gone from 30 down to six. But those six in one year launched five associations of church funds. 2009. And by 2010, 11, and 12, they were sending trainers all over India. Some of the people they sent out started three, four, five thousand If you've enjoyed hearing Nathan Shank on the five levels of movement leadership, you want to pick up a copy of uh, my new book, Pioneering Movements, Leadership That Multiplies Disciples and Churches. We've uh, dedicated two chapters having a look at the movements that Nathan is uh, participating in and unpacking what he's been learning about developing leadership at every, every level in a disciple-making, church-planting movement.